Well, Pastor introduced the preacher already tonight, but I uh, just want to reiterate that uh, Brother Ed Pearson is a good friend of our pastor, as well as our church. And as some of you mentioned, that uh, uh, it seems like every time a uh, pastor is away, Brother Pearson is here. And that's because Brother um, Pastor uh, trusts in this man of God. And uh, he just doesn't uh, pick anybody or whoever's available to uh, come and preach and say, stand behind the sacred desk while he's away. Uh, it takes a special person uh, who's stayed by the stuff, uh, who's right on doctrine, who practiced the Word of God. And here's a man here uh, that has, um, has not only um, lived uh, by the Word, but has invested, he, both he and his wife, has invested their lives uh, in uh, young people uh, that wants to train uh, for the ministry. And uh, so uh, he has a lot of fruit that is abounding uh, in his account. And if you didn't catch him already, um, he has his own tribe of Pearson. He has 12 grandsons and no granddaughters. And uh, so we're praying for the th- that the 13th uh, will be a granddaughter. But uh, you come and uh, you pray for Brother Pearson, and as Pastor says, uh, give your ears to uh, Brother the preacher, uh, but your heart over to the Lord. Thank you, Brother Denny. It's a great joy to be back with you folks here at Heritage. We appreciate so much the friendship of your pastors. I've mentioned many times before and able to come back and be with you. What a great joy it is to see God's servants and God's people faithful to the work, no matter what's going on in our lives. Understanding the church is so vitally important to a child of God and being out. And even even though pastor's not here tonight, I'm so glad that you've been faithful to honor the Lord by being here. It pleases your pastor when you obey the master. And we're glad that you're here tonight. If you have your Bible, you already have the outline structure there for the sermon notes. Turn to the book of Ruth, if you would, please. The book of Ruth, we're going to be in chapter number one this evening. Ruth, chapter number one, if you would. Once you find your place, if you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord? We're going to be reading the whole chapter, chapter number one of the book of Ruth. I wish I could come back and just talk to you more about the whole passage of the book of Ruth, but there's a lot of great insight here uh, from this portion of Scripture revealing to us how God is working upon the hearts of His children and how God is capable of doing wonderful things in the life of people. And I want to just uh, encourage you tonight that this is a different type of message than I normally would preach, but I feel very comfortable here. I feel very uh, very profound in the idea of saying, well, you know, I'm not the pastor, but I know the pastor's heart. I know his desire for this church, and I know that you're his sheep, the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your pastor loves you, and I thank God for what he's doing through his life, and just pray for him. With, he'll get wisdom and discernment continually uh, to lead the church on to the greater, greater heights as you serve the Lord in 2020. I believe the Lord's coming back, Amen. but we've still got a plan, still have to labor, still have to serve, still ought to be soul winning, still be honoring God, and we ought to be making biblical decisions every day of our life. So let's go to the book of Ruth, if you would, please. You follow along as I read aloud. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife, Naomi, the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab, and they continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab, from the country of Moab, She had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. And if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight, that should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes 
that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is going back to her people, and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So the two went until they came to Bethlehem. came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. As we look at this portion of Scripture, it relates to us a situation in the life of a family there in the land of Bethlehem, Judah, and their sojourn from there to go to a place called Moab. And while they're at Moab, great tragedy takes place in the home. And we find that they decide they want to return, Naomi and their two daughters-in-law, to back to the place of Bethlehem. One will leave and stay with her gods. Ruth, of course, will go with her. And we see the story beginning about God's declaration of grace and love displayed in the life of Ruth. I'd like to draw our attention tonight now to this passage and, and preach some thoughts from here about making biblical decisions. They made some decisions and choices that weren't biblical. And because of that, results came that were tragic. Oh, I hope and pray tonight that in our own lives, we want to obey the Lord, want to honor His Word. You know, the Bible said in Psalm 119.105, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's Word should give our direction. And I hope tonight that we might take heed to what God has in store for us, and we would thank Him for it by His bountiful goodness. May God bless reading of His Word. You may be seated. Not too long ago, I looked at a recent Barna poll, and I don't always listen to what polls have to say, but many times there are interesting thoughts that are registered in these Barna polls. And this particular report was very startling to me because what it was about was Christians making decisions in their life. And so I noticed out of this situation that I was reading that four out of ten people, four out of every ten Christians, use the Bible as their primary source of direction. Four out of ten. That's pretty amazing to me. Considering we know the Word of God tells us how to be saved and how to live, we should take heed to the Word of God. But I want you to notice also that six out of ten said this. They said they let the, their desires to do whatsoever will bring them most pleasure and satisfying lead them and direct them in their decisions. They also said what we believe will make other people happy or minimize impersonal relationships or things in our own life, interpersonal things, we want to make decisions based upon comfort. When reality, we ought to base our decisions based upon the Word of God. Many people know what we're supposed to do, but it's so hard to do in the world that we live in. We live in a society of statistics. The fact that God's Word is true ought to be our desire to help guide us and direct us in our personal walk with God. So we find a story here in this portion of Scripture, in the beginning of the book of Ruth, of a great tragedy and ruin of a father and his two sons. Now, I know the Bible doesn't say that they were not told not to go there. But the Bible does speak to us about how God declares to us that he did not bless what they did. He did not bless what they did. And at the same time, it doesn't say, and God said unto Elimelech, arise and go to Moab. It doesn't say that either. But we find, though, as Naomi understood the results of what took place in her life were a sign of the chastening hand of God in her life. And she admits that. And she knows that decisions were made without the direction of God. You see, I believe that wisdom is making the right next choice. The next step that you take, the things that you do, making the right choice in every decision that you make. What we find here is a tragedy that takes place in the life of people. And you know, whenever you're doing something wrong, it's hard to confess we've done wrong. Because I believe that humility, humbleness, is the receptacle of God's grace. 
how God allows us to come before him, we realize our weakness, how we need his strength and victory in our lives. And if we'll turn to him, we can see the bountiful blessings of God. Now you say, well, Brother Pearson, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, we read the Old Testament and we realize we're not Jews, correct? Most of in this room are probably not Jewish people, but we've been grafted into the family of God. I thank the Lord he opened the door to the Gentiles and he actually says, whosoever will may come. I'm glad that I'm part of the family of God tonight. But I also have in my direction there of the sermon outline, Romans chapter 15. So keep your place here in Ruth chapter 1 and turn to Romans chapter 15, if you would, please. And verse number 4. I know it's hard for us sometimes to understand exactly what God does for us in the Old Testament and the reading of that, how it relates to us in the New Testament time. But I do know this, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. But here in Romans chapter number 15, verse number 4, here's what Paul said. Under the inspiration of God's direction, he said in verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our what? Our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So what we find is the examples of the failures, the examples of the victories, the examples of the strength, the examples of the power, the examples of answered prayer, the examples we see in the Word of God can either help us or hinder us from making the right next choice. We need to be faithful to honor God's Word. So with that in mind, back to Ruth, if you would, please. We want you to notice here that we believe personally, when I say we, I'm talking about God's direction upon my life, being led by the Holy Spirit. I believe that they violated, I believe that Elimelech violated the law of God and the principles of God. Go back to verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. I'm sure pastors related to you from the book of Judges many times, preached on some of those judges, spoken about many of them. But when the time that the judges ruled, we find that that takes place after the book of Joshua. The judges will rule. Othniel will be the first judge. Samuel will be the last judge. Three hundred and some years go by in that period. And yet we know that there were times that God's people had victory, joy, and blessing. And then there was a spiral or decline. They turned away from God, worshiping pagan gods and idols. And God had to bring his chastening hand upon them. I find that under Othniel, we find that God blessed them. And there was rest for 40 years when God's men stood up and proclaimed, make right choices, make good decisions. Then God blessed them with 40 years of peace. Shortly thereafter, a man by the name of Eglon appears. He's the king of Moab. And Ehud will do justice unto him under the directing hand of God. And after Moab is seen, the situation that takes place there is going to be a time of great blessing and peace. Because after Eglon is killed, we're going to find that God says there's 80 years of rest from the land of Moab for the people of God. So there were times that they actually did right when they stood up for the Lord. But every decision we make has consequences, whether they're good or whether they're bad. So we see here in the time when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Every time you see the word famine, you find there's destruction in people's lives because they don't know how to trust God. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life I didn't have a lot of food. But you can see I've made it pretty good. The reality is that, you know, uh, you think about famine and situation of the Old Testament. Uh, as Moses made his way uh, from the land uh, of Egypt to the land of promise, he wasn't able to go into the land because of his disobedience. But I want to remind us that he charged the people of God when they went into the land what they were supposed to do. You don't have to turn there, but I'd like to read Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16 and 17. He says, take heed to yourselves that your heart, listen to me now, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up heaven, and there be no rain, and the land yield not her fruit, unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. God says his blessings will overtake you if you obey his word. God's blessings will overtake you if you're honorable to what he declares in your life. And then he said, if you disobey, famine, pestilence, sword, death, some of those plagues will come upon you in disobedience. You know, we don't understand in our day and age exactly what that deals with because most of us don't understand totally, but we've been blessed in America with prosperity, with a lot of good things. And I realize that there are situations we face in our life that are tragic. I understand and know tonight that there are there are people that don't have a place to live and don't have food to put in their mouth. I understand that. 
But most of us in our mind's eye, we're probably thinking about third world countries, missionary fields. But this is a missionary field as well right here. Knowing that people need the Lord. They need help. You may not have everything that you want in life, but God can supply the needs that you have in life. And your greatest need is salvation. Your greatest need is Christ the Savior. That your name is written in heaven. So we find that during this time of the judges, God had not forgotten his people. He's showing them his presence among them. And says, I want to help you take heed to the word of God. In Second Chronicles 6, 26, the writer says, When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain, it's because they have sinned against thee. That's pretty specific. What do you think? The reason why there's famine many times in the land is because God is trying to chasten his children. Even under Abraham, there was a famine and he went further south and further south and had conflict in his life. We need to trust in the Lord. He reigns on the just and the unjust. He takes care of the early rain and the latter rain. He's letting it be known that provision is there. The unpleasant circumstances that were in his life led Elimelech to do something. He made a decision, my friend, that led him further away from God's will. It led him into a place of turmoil. I believe there are two main reasons that people leave the will of God. I believe there's two main reasons. Disobedience to the Lord. Not obeying the Lord's voice and distrust in the Lord. Disobedience to the Lord and distrust in the Lord. You see, the move was one of disobedience as the Moabites were idolaters. They were plagued with sinfulness. Their country was brought down. Israel was instructed by God specifically not to go into that land, not to marry those folks in that land, but to honor the Lord. You say, really? Deuteronomy 7, verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter that thou shalt give unto his son or his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, and that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy them suddenly. God does not give complicated instructions, beloved. He's telling them plainly what he wants to do. And he said, whether you like it or not, here's what you need to be involved with. Hey, in the New Testament time, Paul said it like this, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. And be ye not unequally yoked together with whom? Unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. That sound complicated to you? Not to me. Listen, I know I live in human flesh. I know I make decisions every day. To read my Bible, to pray, to live for God, to witness to others. Every day we have decisions that come upon us. We must choose to make wise decisions, biblical decisions, every day of our life. In the day the judges ruled, I don't know when that was, but I can tell you this. During that time period there was a man by the name of Elimelech. You know what Elimelech means in the Bible? My God is king. Bethlehem Judah is where he lived. Bethlehem Judah, the name means house of bread. There could be a play on words here. The man that said, my God is king, left the house of bread and went to Moab. When he should have been trusting God and believing God. They did not trust the will of God. There was a famine in the land. You heard Brother Denny just just tell us a moment ago. Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. You must believe that God can do what he promised. If you're saved tonight, say amen. Can God keep you saved? Has God promised that he's kept you saved? So we cling to the promises of God and the truth of God to help us in those situations of life. So we find that God's word declares where we are. They did not trust the will of God. They did not trust the word of God. There was a famine in the land. And the Bible says we're to walk by faith and not by sight. It's so easy for us to say, well, I just don't think it's going to turn out that way. I don't know if God knows what's going on. God knows. He's omniscient. He knows everything about the situations of life. But they did not trust the Lord. In Joshua chapter 23, it talks about, he says, Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that you love the Lord your God. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even those that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out these nations among you and before you. They will be snares and traps unto you, scourges in your side, thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off the good land with the Lord your God 
hath given you. That does not sound complicated to me. All we have to do is obey. Obedience brings blessing. My father did not chasten me for being obedient. He chastened me for disobedience. The writer of the book of Hebrews said, The Lord loveth his children, and he chastens them that are wandering away from his path. God loves you, church. God loves you, sir. God loves you, ma'am, so much that he wants you to make wise, biblical decisions every day of your life. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. He deserves it. So decisions that we make and things that we do, if you cannot ask God to bless it, you have no business doing it. I'm, I'm just saying what the Bible said. Give none offense to the Jew to the Gentile, nor the church of God, Paul said. Making sure we're honoring God. Listen, your pastor loves you so much that he wants to see you grow in grace and grow in knowledge. And the best way to do that is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. The Word of God reflects the will of God for your life and my life. And the Word of God will help us. Just like Rahab this morning, we saw in that picture, she heard the Word of God, she took heed to the Word of God, and God helped her. And if tonight we'll understand that what Pastor's trying to do for us, the words he's trying to share with us, the things he wants us to be involved with, that there are going to be times that you'll do what's right in your own eye. In the time of the judges, did every man do what was right in his own eyes? It says it twice in the book of Judges. It's not about what we want, beloved. It's about what God wants. God loves America. God loves California. God loves people. And we need to know that God's word declares his love for us. He knows exactly where we are. He knows what state we are in. And he says, I love you just like you are, but I love you so much more. I want to see you change. I want you to be drawn unto me. So there's a great lament that takes place because of the death and the sorrow and the heartache that's come. Look at verse number 2. It says, and the name of the man was Elimelech. My God is king. The name of his wife, Naomi, which means pleasant. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, means puny and sickly. Apparently the boys may have had some physical infirmities. I don't know. But I do know this. They went to Moab. said they went to sojourn. It said they went to sojourn. They came into the country of Moab and they continued there. You know, it's one thing to be involved in something one time. It's another thing to sojourn there, to dwell there, to be involved in activity. It's so easy for us to know what is right to do and make a decision to do something different. Listen, you need to be in the house of God. You need to be with the people of God. You need to read the Word of God. You need to meditate on the Word of God. I'm not saying that we're not, my friend. I'm just here tonight to remind you that I cannot preach to you unless I preach to myself. We need the Word of God. Every decision we make, we need to make it based upon the truth of God's Word. May God help us to make wise decisions, biblical decisions, based upon the truth of God's Word. I know, my friend, that there's much going on. He went to the country of Moab, not to the cities in the area, but in the country of Moab. Perhaps maybe trying to get enough that he might make it. Said he was from Bethlehem, Judah. He was an Ephrathite. What that means? That means he was prominent in the land. The Ephrathites were the wealthy people in the community. Can you imagine what it's like for a wealthy person to have no food to eat? The destruction that comes. He walked away from all that he had. And he took his wife with him and his two boys just to sojourn. In the land. Just to, just to be there until they got past the rough time. Just to be there for a short period of time. Look at verse number 3. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. Listen, the leaving was a result of their disobedience to God. They distrusted who God was and didn't want to take heed to what God's declaration was in their life. And because of that, it brought tragedy in their home. Because they didn't take heed to the discipline that God had for them. It goes on to say in verse 4. They took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the, the name of the one was Orp, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they dwelled there about how many years? They weren't supposed to be there at all. And they just stayed there. We have no idea how old the children were when they went with Elimelech. We don't know if they were young men at the time, but we know apparently they're old enough to get married now. We don't know how long they've been married, but they got married, both of them, and they died. Totally, totally gone. Naomi says, the situations are, dra- are drastic. There's heartache in her life. Hey, listen, when somebody dies, there's heartache. When the interloper of death comes into our life, it it brings sadness and sorrow. Sometimes the sickness that we have and the devastation that we have and hearing news about cancer or a stroke or a problem or, or need therapy or this or that, sometimes we begin to wonder about, does God even care? He does care. He knows what's going on. And even bad things happen to godly people. But God is still good. 
His grace is always sufficient. He doesn't always take away our need of problem, but he does take care of his strength to provide for us what we need. It says in Malon, verse 5, And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. There's a great longing now in her heart. Her husband's gone. Her sons are gone. She has two daughters-in-laws. And these daughters-in-laws are different than what she is. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. She had heard of the country of Moab, how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Now, I've read the book of Judges many, many times. Brother Justin, I've read many, many times through the book of Judges, and it doesn't say a whole lot in there about famine. But we do know this, they didn't always live, live for God. They didn't always make right decisions. I think the only time I really saw a famine in their life would have been the time of the, uh, the Midianites under Gideon. When they were threshing wheat and things like that and, and their crops were taken away and the enemy wiping them out and he's hiding behind the, uh, the place of the, of the threshing. It wasn't even a threshing floor. It was actually for wine. And he's over there and he said, and the angel of the Lord came and said, oh, mighty man of valor, hiding from everybody. And of course, you know how God used Gideon and the blessing that came then. It's amazing what God can do for us if we just trust him. Just believe what he's capable of doing. And even wise decisions that we make, decisions that we have in our life, we need to be understanding of those things. I wrote this down. Backsliding, and this is just my situation here. Backsliding to me is to give up ground once possessed by the power of God and for the glory of God. Can I say that again? When you backslide, you give up ground once possessed by the power of God and for the glory of God, and we walk away from those blessings. We must make wise decisions. We must continue to follow after the things of the Lord. So Naomi says, the best thing I can do is return. Do you see the story? Verse number 6. She arose with her daughters-in-law. She knew there was no longer a famine in the land. Verse 7. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. This is about 100 miles, by the way, folks. About 100 miles from Moab back to Judah, where they're from. It's a long journey. They're walking. They're not taking an airplane. They're not taking a car. They're making a journey. They're heading back. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. You know what she's saying? You've been so gracious to me. You have been good daughters-in-laws to me. My husband is dead. Your husbands are dead. The time of the dead being buried is over. Feel free now as a young lady. Feel free to go back to the land of Moab and find you another mate. You're a widow. She's being kind to him. Letting it be known that, you know, I don't want you to suffer. Listen to me now. She says, I don't want you to suffer for what I've been going through. You want the blessings of God. I want you to have the blessings of God. And yet at the same time, sometimes we make decisions that don't help the people we make decisions for. Let me show you what I mean. The Lord grants you, verse 9, that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. There was a sad parting here. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee into thy people. They said, No, no, we want to go, we want to go with you. We need to go with you. They said, Nope, nope. She said, Nope, go back to where you came from. God, her God, she thought would give him somebody else. Verse 11. And Naomi said, Notice this, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Now, this was a, this was a law of the Old Testament time. We're not going to talk about that a lot. But there was a law that if somebody in the family died, then the next son in the family would raise up seed in the name of the brother. And so we see that continuing on. But there was nobody left in the family to marry into the family to preserve the seed. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should say have a husband right now, tonight, and all shall bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? She said it would take a long time for a son to be born, a son to be grown. Would you wait 15, 20 years for that? Would you wait longer than that? She said, I think not. And they lifted up their voice and, they, and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back to her people under her gods. Return, though, after her sister-in-law. Now, when you read the passage of Scripture, sometimes we, we read it because we're familiar with it, right? We're familiar with what we read. But I, I just read that verse to you very quickly. But it says, Naomi said unto her, Go back. Find you a husband and return to your gods. Why would any believer want somebody else to go back to the pagan, pagan gods? She was backslidden. She wasn't right with God. 
She'd made some decisions that were bringing havoc to her life. It's very easy, my friend, it's very easy to get bitter when things aren't being a blessing. When we see situations of life that are overwhelming, it's very easy for us to turn away from that. So Naomi's on her return now, and we find her in heartache. Listen, the Bible says great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend in the book of Job. He knows exactly what we need to do. 1 Corinthians 2.9, it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered to the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And we're thinking about, we know that God's got a place called heaven for us. We know that things are beyond our expectations, beyond our wildest dreams. Heaven's a real place. But on this earth, justice is not always measured out on this earth. Sometimes heartaches take, take over. Situations of death and overwhelmingness take over. But how did we get there? By making bad decisions, not trusting God, not believing Him. She longed for the welfare of God in her life. She said, go back, go back to your gods. But yet she says something different in the next verse. Look, if you would, please, as you're moving down the chapter with me. It says in verse 16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will love. I will lodge. Thy people should be my people, and thy God my God. Sounds to me like Ruth clave unto her. That means she was, she was willing to grasp onto her. She said, I don't want to go. I want to be with you. She says, I want you to know that I believe that your God... Ought to be my God. The same thing we saw this morning with Rahab the harlot. Understanding that God transformed her life. You agree God transformed Rahab's life? Here we find tonight that Naomi, whose name means pleasant, said she's going to return. She wants to change her name to Mera, which means bitter. She had seen the bitter hand of God because she made decisions that weren't biblical. They weren't right. They were plainly told not to go to Moab. They were plainly told to stay away. And yet they married into the Moabites. They did things that were contrary to the word of God. And may I say, friend, when we make bad decisions and the fruit thereof that comes out of it, don't penalize the children. Don't penalize the situations. You make sure that you understand that God's grace is sufficient for everyone. People go out and do things wrong. We sometimes pay the consequence by the fruit that's manifest. But God is still God. He's still loving and gracious. And so decisions that we make may bring the fruit of that which is improper, but God's love can be manifest and help us to pick up the broken pieces and start all over, just like our life was by the grace of God. So we see her clinging to her. Verse 17, Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Sounds like she's pretty dedicated to staying with Naomi, wouldn't you agree? Pretty committed to that. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, Then she left speaking unto her. And so what we find here is that Ruth is going through something. And I I want you to see this. The conditions that Ruth looked at and Naomi looked at took a leap of faith. And the leap of faith was believe God's word. Trust God's word. If faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, without faith it's impossible to please him. We need to know what faith truly is. Faith is believing God's word. Can God do it? Can God answer prayer? Can God take care of our needs? Is God able? The answer is a yes. He can do those things. You say, well, he hasn't done much for me. Circle yourself in your mind's eye and say, God, I need you. And he'll be available for whatever need you have. And your greatest need is redemption. But after you find that redemption, God provides for his children. God takes care of his own. He watches over them. But we find her. She needed faith. Listen, she needed faith in order to face the pressure of not distrusting God. She said, Lord, I need faith to believe that what you can do is right and appropriate. I need faith to understand that. Help me, God, to know that. And, and the Bible says in Psalms, said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He can feed you in time of famine. He can give you victory in time of defeat. He can encourage you in times of discouragement. He said you can have the strength and help of God every day if you'll turn to him. It doesn't mean we're going to have bad times at all because we know that that does come. But knowing God is present is the key to it all. We need faith in order to fear that if we disobey God, that judgment's going to come upon us. Judges 2, verse 19 and 20 says, They cease not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He said, Because that this people have transgressed my covenant, which I commended their fathers, and have not hearkened unto my voice. Listen, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. Whenever I was a boy, and my dad said, Son, you need to do this. I didn't wait three days to do it. He said, It's time to clean your room. Get up and go. 
You need to go mow the yard. Not tomorrow. Get up and do it. And many times my father would say, Now, son, this hurts me more than it does you, but I've got to discipline you. And he got out the rod of correction and sent out all the foul spirits that were within me. He said, I love you so much, son, that I can't let you continue down this path. You've disobeyed my truth. You've disobeyed what I've tried to help you with. We need, listen, listen, beloved, tonight, we need faith in God's word. It's already there. It's forever settled. But he wants us to believe it. He wants us to receive it. He wants us to take his word and apply it to our lives to be more like him. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27, the writer says, For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. Be sure your sin will find you out. Your wife may not know. Your husband may not know. The preacher may not even know. But God sees everyone. And he knows where we are are weak. He knows of our temptations. He knows of our trials. He knows of our situations of life. We need to consider that living by the course of God's word will help us to know the mind of Christ. You can tell much about a person's faith by examining the kind of decisions that they make. When faced with some external pressure, a Christian sometimes his greatest motivation is to say, I'll do what I want to do. What seems easiest to do. Sometimes we forget we're to do everything to honor God and glorify God. Making those biblical decisions. We should demonstrate faith in God's word. Because we can't please him without it. We need the faith of God. From Ruth chapter 1, we glean two principles. In regard to decisions that are made that demonstrated a lack of faith in God's word. You see, we restrict our faith when we consider our way better than God's way. And that's what happened here. Elimelech says, I'm going to take my family. For a short time, we're just going to sojourn there made a decision to go out in that particular area. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.3, Solomon said, that foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. You know, God's ways are best, but man's got his ways too. Even God said himself, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But he says, I know what I think toward thee. We need to understand tonight that God's a God of goodness and graciousness. Proverbs 19, verse 16. He that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despises his ways shall die. If you despise God's ways and do what you want to do, ultimately death is on the way. Luke 17, 5. The apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. You know how to increase it? Be in the word of God. Be with the people of God. Be in the house of God. Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Do what God says. All they had to do was trust God, but yet they wandered away. They made wrong decisions, and it had an effect on people. You see, the consequences we have, when we restrict our faith, we consider our wisdom over God's wisdom. Essentially, earthly, fleshly wisdom is not the same as God's wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of whom? That gives to all men liberally, and it braideth not. We need the wisdom of the Lord. We have exceeding great and precious promises right here. Meditate upon them. Apply them to your life. Understand that we don't want to become backslidden. We don't want to give up ground. Once possessed by the power of God and for the glory of God, we want to do what God says. We want to make sure we're living for Him. We're all going to be failures at time. all going to have mistakes at time. all going to be involved in bad things at time. But we have help from God. He can strengthen us for that journey. Following after him. It's important, beloved. It's important to make biblical decisions. It's important to have faith in God's word as the basis for every decision that we make. Wisdom. Making the right next choice. Asking God to help you make decisions for him. There's no mention in here of him praying to God. No mention in him of the Lord said unto him to do this. Because God had already said, don't go there. He'd already said, don't marry them. Are you all still with me? He already told them plainly what he wanted them to do. And God does not give complicated instructions, church. He doesn't give us things to just say, well, you flip a coin and whatever turns out is okay. It's not like the Barnapole where they say, well, I want to make people happy. I want to be kind to people. I want to do what's right in my own eyes. I want to be peaceful around people. Listen, when we, listen to me tonight, when we disobey God, we put others in danger. We do. Other people were in danger because of this. When the husband died, Malon and Kilion died, we, we have disobedience. By the way, when David disobeyed the Lord in numbering the people, 70,000 innocent people died. There are always consequences for decisions we make. Let's make sure we're making right decisions. Do not disobey God. 
And by the way, when you disobey God, you defy Him. So I'm not defying God. When you do not do what God wants us to do, or God wants you to do, we defy God. No, that, that means we take accountability for doing our own thing. And if we take accountability, your destiny may not be where you want it to be. Because you don't know where you're going to wind up. Listen, you start down a path of life, and you start down that path, you're going to go on that journey, and that journey will take you to a certain destination. Is it not true? And so, if you get off that journey and you you take another path, you take another way. Listen, I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to be outside in nature. And sometimes I wander from path to path thinking, I wonder where this leads. And sometimes you get poison ivy or poison oak. I wasn't looking for that. I went to the wrong place. Sometimes you get briars and scratches. Too late to turn around. You're already stuck in the briar. I'm thinking this is just simplistic thought about just going out in the physical ramifications of the world. At the same time, you think about God. Decisions we make. If you and I do not do what God says, we defy God. If your parents say you need to clean your room, you defy them without being obedient. If you're not obedient, you're defying them. You say, well, I'm not really doing anything wrong. Yes, you are. He's explaining that right here. They defied God. They took accountability for their own destiny, doing their own thing. Proverbs 1, verse 32 says this. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whosoever hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and should be quiet, and and have no fear of evil. God's blessing. God shows things. There's security there. Hey, you that are parents, your children don't have to ask you every day, are you going to feed me? You're going to let me live in the house tonight one more night. They take for granted as a parent, you're going to take care of the children. Amen? How much more our Heavenly Father taking care of us? Watching over us. You tell your children you need to take a bath. And so they go to take a bath and you come back and say, did you wash your hair? Well, no. Why not? I couldn't find any shampoo. Then all you got was wet. You need shampoo, amen? And sometimes, you know what dads will do? I'll wash the hair for you. I'll get you some soap. You can use it. There has to be a cleansing agent. Listen, friends, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now that we're part of the partakers of the things of God, let's be faithful to obey His voice. He doesn't hurt us. He wants to help us understanding those things. So let's not put ourselves in danger. Let's not defy God. Because if we defy God to do what we want to do, we're disregarding God in the ultimate sample of it all. We disregard God because what we seek... Listen to me, becomes the destroyer. What we seek becomes a destroyer. Elimelech led his family to Moab because he feared death from a famine. Am I telling the truth? He feared death from the famine. Yet the very thing they sought to escape was the very thing they received by rejecting the counsel of God. He ultimately died. Many instances in the Word of God, beloved, illustrate that very thing that we seek. The things that we seek often becomes the instrument of our destruction. And be sure your sin will find you out. How about it, parents? Are you making decisions regarding your family based upon God's Word? How about you, church member? You, Mr. Christian? Do you seek counsel from God's Word about how to act in your life? Where to go in your life? How to talk in your life? How to conduct your life? Are we doing that? Or are you and I a part of the 60% in the Barnapole? Says not that important. I'll just do what I feel is right to do. What everybody else thinks is right to do. We shouldn't be pleasing and satisfying self. We should be pleasing the Savior. Trying to honor Him. You say, well, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what needs to happen. Put a stop to it right now. Put a stop to it right now. Say, you can purpose right now, tonight, to let the Word of God be your guidebook. Let the Word of God be your words that you might guide your life and make sure that all the decisions that you've made in the past, that God understands what you've done. Ask God to help you. You've seen the situation of response that has not been appropriate and right. Say, God, help me now to make wise decisions. I want to have the wisdom of God. I want to make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do and not turning away. Listen, we need to be settled that we are in the Lord's will in everything that we do. We need to follow God's leadership, honoring Him. Don't let failure define you. Elimelech, 
The two boys, their failure defined them. Thankfully, Naomi goes back. The end of the chapter is she gets there and she said, Call me no more Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. And in reality, she understood that she should have never gone there to start with. And the heartache that she faced came from a holy God and reminded her. You say, well, God killed all them people. You know, God works in his own ways. But it does relate to us that the situation, there was no permission from God to go. And as you see the situation in there, how they got there, I don't know. But they went there, and the sadness that came with it is evident. If you and I fail, when I talk to God, I identify the reasons for my failure. I identify with God when I've done wrong, I've said wrong, I've made wrong decisions. I said something I shouldn't have said, went somewhere I shouldn't have gone. So when I fail, you know what I do? I take responsibility. I understand that I've done something wrong. I've said something wrong. I hurt somebody's feeling. I I criticized my wife or said something about somebody, and I need to make it right. Uh, Some of you in the adult Sunday school class are are in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 32 today. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Think about that. Why did he have to remind people that were in church to be kind to each other? Because we're human beings. Because we have a sin nature. Because we're selfish. Because we do what we want to do. But may God remind us again tonight to follow His Word. Make biblical decisions based upon the truth of God's Word. And when the preacher's preaching, don't blow up, please. And get mad at me. Don't blow up at your preacher. Because when you mess up, you need to fess up. Now this is a simple little sermon here, all right? little illustration. When you fail, don't blow up. Don't cover it up. Don't back up and say, that's enough. Don't give up. Wake up, stand up and say, I'm going to fess up and get right with God and I'm going to trust him for the results because God is able to work. Notice it says in the latter part of the verse there, chapter number one, the last verse says, so Naomi Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned now the country of Moab and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. You ever read your Bible, just read a verse and thought that was it? Brother Denny, once again, I think we see something beautiful here. They left in a famine. And they come back broken. They come back different. But they know where they need to be. Back at Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread. And when they get there, God has not forgotten his children. There's a barley harvest. The famine's over. Friends, listen. I don't know what our future holds. But I know who holds my future. I don't know what you're facing here tonight. I don't know if there's famine in your land spiritually. I don't know if you've got things going on in your life that are sinful, wretched, or vile, or corrupt. I don't know what's taking place in your life tonight, where you are in a spiritual ramification of things. But I can tell you this. God loves you. God's concerned about you and your family. And God wants you to see His bounty and blessings poured upon you. And the best way to start is make biblical decisions. Do what you know is right to do based upon the Word of God. And if you can't, listen to me, if you can't ask God to bless it, you have no business doing it. So the next time you get ready to chew somebody out and use the Lord's name in vain or whatever, God bless that. He's not going to bless that's contrary to his nature. Whatever it might be in your life, what you say, what you do, what you participate in, your involvement in life, bring honor and glory to God. Be the Christian you're supposed to be. Let the world see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Bring glory to Him and honor Him. He said, do good works. Obey the voice of God. And the world will see your good works and glorify your Father, which art in heaven. I'm thankful. Your choice will involve other people. And the choice may look radical, like she did. Cleaving unto Naomi. Where you die, I will die. Where you go, I will go. You talk about sincerity. And guess what happened? You've read chapter 2, 3, and 4, haven't you? The end is wonderful. Hey, listen, we've got a great future. Our future could end tonight in the rapture. But every day we have, it's a gift of God. Treasure it. Use it for His honor, for His glory. If you're not saved tonight, we can take a Bible and show you how that heaven can be your home. He can forgive you your sin and change your life. And if there's failure in your life, there's heartache in your life, decisions you've made that brought consequences, understand that God loves you and He can help you in your endeavors of life if you just take them to Him and leave it there. Come unto me. All yet labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, you go back. You go back and get rest. She said, I'm going with you to get rest. 
and she got rest in a time of harvest. Right around the corner, the next decision you might make might lead to somebody being saved, some life being changed, some great answer to prayer. Don't quit along the way. Keep pressing on the way because he's there for you every day. Thank you for your good attention. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. Thank you for the good attention of your people as we preach from the word of God tonight. I pray the things that we've learned and gleaned this evening might be embedded into our hearts and minds that we might realize that our help truly does come from the Lord. We don't need to be afraid. We can trust in thee. And I pray, God, tonight if there's someone here that does not know of a certainty that heaven is their home, that, God, what we've said tonight might draw their attention to their eternal destiny. I pray, God, that they might realize that Christ loves them just like they are, but he wants their life to be transformed by his wonderful grace. I pray, God, that souls would be saved. I pray, God, for your children, Lord, tonight that are facing situations of life, issues of life, things that they're dealing with, God, perhaps maybe made some wrong decisions and seeing the results and the fruit thereof. And I pray, God, for your good grace to be manifest, that you can show your power and might in the life of this young lady who came out of the Moabite land, she also will find in the genealogy of our Savior. She also will find great blessings in her life, marrying Boaz and seeing great things happen in her life. Oh, God, I pray that we'll make decisions that will honor and glorify you. And in the days ahead, we'll do our very best to live for you, to honor your word, to obey your voice, and to love you the best that we can, because we know that we should do that until we go to heaven. Bless now, God, your people. Bless now the time. Have your way in each and every life. May you be glorified with our decisions. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand as the invitation begins tonight. Have thine own way. Let God speak to your heart. If God's spoken to you in some way tonight, take care of it right now. Come to the altar. Say, God, I need your help. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your watch care. Whatever it might be. And if you're here tonight and not certain that heaven's your home, find somebody and we'll take you to the Bible and show you how your life can be changed. He wants to help you tonight. place for you if you need to come. Still time tonight. Make biblical decisions. Let his word direct you. Bring glory to him.